Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Do you ever wonder what it might feel like to be a part of some of the biggest atmospheres in sports an almost hostile environment well that's what we learn from kim st pierre the ice hockey olympic champion on this week's best in the world with richard parr kim was the goalie when canada beat the united states on home soil at salt lake city in 2002 thousands of american fans chanting usa USA, USA. And on this week's podcast, Kim reveals how she dealt with that atmosphere. You do not want to miss it on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. The Canadian talks about all three of her Olympic experiences. She discusses how she felt when she was dropped from the team at the 2006 Games. She also tells us what it was like to compete on a home Olympics when she was part of the team which played at the 2010 Vancouver Games. Of course, Kim won Olympic gold at all three of those games. She also won five World Ice Hockey titles, an absolutely incredible career. And on this podcast, the goalie reveals... What was the turning point in her career? She also talks about her keys to success and she gives us an update of what she's up to now since retiring from the sport. It's a really incredible chat with the ice hockey Olympic champion, the goalie, Kim St-Pierre. We'll start that conversation in just a moment, but I want to tell you about Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding website. It gives creators such as myself the chance to get funding from generous patrons such as you. Well, hopefully. Maybe you are already supporting our show. If you are, thank you so much. It actually really does matter a lot to me and gives me the opportunity to speak to more Olympic and world champions so we can find out what they do to be the very best in their sports. It starts from as little as $1 a month and there's various different tiers and levels that you can go up if you want to support us some more but if you can just contribute $1 a month I would really appreciate it. It will help keep the lights on here at Best in the world podcast hours, well, (laughs) room, so to speak. It will help pay for all of the things that we need to do to continue to learn from the very best sports stars on the planet. So go and check out the website. It's patreon.com forward slash best in the world. 
All right, let's get on with the interview. It's time to speak to the Olympic ice hockey champion, Kim St-Pierre. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Kim St-Pierre, welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr, three-time Olympic gold medalist and five-time hockey world champion. So great to talk to you. Of course, you had an amazing career, but first, let's catch up with what are you up to at the moment, Kim? Yes, well, I'm very happy to to talk to you this morning. Um, Now, I uh, retired from the national women's hockey team in 2012. Um, to have uh, a family. So now I have two little boys, three and a half and five years old. So uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking care of them. And since last September, I started a job with Reebok, and it's called The Box. So it's a free before-school activity program for all elementary schools in Canada. So I'm the regional coordinator for um, Eastern Canada. So now I'm I'm, uh, trying to get the, the kids active and moving before school start in the morning so uh, that's uh that's been my job uh since last september so the, that's what i'm doing and uh, enjoy doing as well it's a great way uh, to be involved in uh, in sports and uh all my life i was lucky to um to be active uh, my parents uh, told me that being active was very important and going to school so now to be able to tell the kids and show the kids how a sport is important and going to school and being active. Um, so I think it's a great job for me, and uh, and it's uh, it's easy to uh, to give a passion to uh, make the kids dream about maybe one day going to the Olympics or just playing for fun. So I think it's a great mix, uh, and I'm uh, happy with this position. Oh, fantastic! And trying to teach them before they go to school. What time are you getting up in the morning? It must be really early. <laughs> It is early, but when we have young kids, I got uh, used to it. So for me, it's uh, it's okay now. Uh, but yeah, usually school uh, in Canada uh, they start around like eight o'clock or nine o'clock. So summer mornings are really early. Uh, but also part of my job is to do outreach, uh, so I don't have to get up every every single morning. But for my kids, I do. So uh, I enjoy visiting the schools, visiting the kids, and see the improvement through the year as well and uh, why it's before school is just uh, all the science behind like making the kid act the kids active early really helps them for a great day of uh, of learning and uh yeah for the hyperactive kids too it's great to uh, move for 45 minutes before they have to sit down for the whole day so uh, that's why i really believe in in the program and i'm trying to teach as many kids uh, as possible mm, fantastic and you mentioned your your two children there. Um, have they uh, gone on the ice yet? And could they be following in your footsteps in some way in the future? We'll see. I have two boys, so uh, I think <laughs> having a girl would have been maybe easier to teach them hockey. But uh, no, they're uh, they're starting this September, so we'll see if they. Uh, they really enjoy it as much as I do. Right now, they're just um, playing soccer and swimming, so it's a good start. Uh, I have two brothers as well, and then uh, we grew up playing uh, every single sport, so I really hope my uh, my kids uh, like it as well. If not, if they like something else, well, maybe I'll uh, I'll get to learn how to p- play the piano or sing. <laughs> but uh, for now, uh, I think we're trying uh, 
my husband and I to just show them that sports is fun and uh, trying to get them to um, to love being active. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to see them on skates. Like we've played around the, in in uh, like outside rinks uh, last winter, but uh, to actually be on a team will be a first this year. So I'm excited to to see that. Fantastic. When did you first start playing? Well, when I. Uh, well, I was a figure skater from age five to age eight because uh, hockey, I guess, was not something to do a long time ago. So that's what my parents uh, wanted me to do. But after uh, I was growing up, my, my brothers were playing hockey and we had a really great neighborhood. So many kids, everyone would play hockey. So at some point I got tired of being the only figure skater around. So I, I traded my figure skates for, uh, for hockey skates and I loved it right away. Even if I was the only girl uh, until I was 18 years old on my team, uh, it did not matter. Like for me, hockey uh, was fun, was a passion. And uh, so I started at eight years old. Uh, so I think it was a, a great career. And I was lucky to have a lot of support for obviously my parents, but uh, all the boys I played with as well. So I think I was really lucky. And um, I transitioned to women's hockey when I uh, decided to go to McGill University. So I think the timing was great if I wanted to go further in my hockey career because with the boys, I was not drafted uh, to go anywhere. So I think that was the right uh, decision for me and probably the best decision of my life to go to McGill. Mm. How did you find the position of goalie? Uh, well, my brothers, they... They wanted to play outside, so if I wanted to be with them, I had to be the goalie and, <laughs> and getting the, the frozen tennis ball throw and thrown at me. But uh, it did not matter. I just wanted to play with them and uh, all their friends. So I guess that's how I started uh, being a goalie. And then um, uh, with my actual team, just one day, uh, the coach came in the room and he, uh, we needed a goalie that day. And I don't know why. Like My mom was with me and... And uh, so he asked, who wants to be the goalie today? And I looked at my mom and I yelled, me. And then she looked at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> like being a figure skater, I was really good on skates. And back then, if you were the goalie, you could not skate and could not move. So she agreed uh, to give me a chance. So uh, I was a goalie for one practice. So then I was like, oh, maybe I'll ask for one game. And then uh, she said yes. My parents said yes. And I lost my first game like 8 nothing. So oh I think my. they were really happy. And maybe that would be the end for me. But uh, because I loved hockey so much, they, uh, they convinced me to play a second game. And then it, it, it just went better and better. And, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone has any regrets after everything that, uh, that had happened. Mm. obviously you need quick reactions to be a goalie and, and obviously you would have improved by playing more and more hockey but were there any other sports or exercises or, or even drills or routines away from um, the ice rink which you think may have helped you as a goalie? Oh definitely and I think that's an issue right now with the kids that they want to play only one sport it could be soccer or hockey they play 12 months 12 months a year, and I don't think it helps them uh, to improve. So for me, I think the key uh, for success was really um, just playing hockey for the hockey uh, season. And then as soon as summer would come, I would play soccer and I would play softball. So I think I was good at playing short stuff and reacting to the ball and blocking the ball. And soccer was good for cardio and um, like feet movement as well. And I was also like a swimmer. I played tennis. Like I 
I did pretty much everything. So I think that really helps you uh, become a better um, athlete in general in hockey. I think uh, as a goalie, you need uh, as much power, as speed, as flexibility and uh, reaction. So I think being involved in so many sports really helped me. Uh, but I would say my two best sports after hockey was soccer and softball. So I was uh, I was uh, fortunate to be on good teams and uh, having good coaches. And um, it was a, a tough decision to make, like which sport between the three I would decide to go with. Uh, but I don't have any regrets um, after my hockey career. Mm-hmm. As you were starting to learn the position of goalie, were there any players that you looked up to and, and learned from? Well, yeah, definitely. In Montreal, I grew up uh, watching Patrick uh, Roy for the, from the Montreal Canadiens. He was a, an amazing goalie, and he, uh, he also kind of... Uh, he taught, taught us all uh, the butterfly position, so um, definitely I would watch him on TV whenever the, the Montreal Canadiens were on TV. And um, yeah, my dad, too, has been a good support to me. He was a defenseman, but he, uh, he would always come on the ice with me and do some, uh, some goalie drills, and he would watch hockey with me and come really early on the ice uh, before school started, even at McGill, to, uh, to shoot some pucks and do drills. So... Uh, but definitely, uh, yeah, watching NHL uh, goalies on TV was something I really enjoyed, and I learned a lot from uh, from watching them. Mm-hmm. You said you uh, were playing uh, playing with boys and men up until the age of eighteen. Then you went to McGill and played with the women. But I've got a bit of information here that you were the first woman in Canadian inter-university sports to win a men's game for McGill. Uh, against Ryerson now that's an incredible achievement but did you even think about it at the time because did you almost think well I've played with with boys my whole life that this is just the norm for me yeah definitely for me playing hockey had to be with the boys and uh, like it was not easy growing up like always hearing parents and hearing the other uh, the other team complain or trying to get me off my game but i for me, it was part of hockey. Like I knew I was the only girl and playing goalie, so you stand out a lot more than than the other players. But I think it made me stronger. It made me more confident, and I really had to be ready. Whenever I stepped on the ice, I knew I had a lot to prove. But I never did that to steal the show or steal the attention or trying to get people to know me. I just played hockey because it was my life, and that's what I enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. So when I transitioned to the women's game, um, at McGill University, it went really well. And then uh, I went to the Olympics in 2002. And coming back from the Olympic year, um, like I had the chance to train with the best in the world. So my next challenge was to try out for the men's team. Like it was just, um, as an elite athlete, you always want to play with the best. So you always want to uh, try to step up to a challenge. And for me, that's what I wanted to do. But my first year, um, I was cut from the men's team, so I went back to the women's team. It's the following year. I tried out again. I was like, that's not enough for me. I just want to uh, try to play at the best level I can, and I made the team. So that's when I was able to uh, to win a game. But uh, I didn't play much uh, that year. Uh, sometimes yeah, you, uh, you have to face challenges, and um, I think I learned a lot from that year. And then I went back to the, the women's uh, game after that, but it was a it was a good season for me, and um, I'm glad I did it. You said you learned a lot there. What did you learn the most then? 
Well, like I would say half of the team was kind of happy to see me. The other half, uh, it was probably the first time for them to uh, to play with a girl. So, yes, I had to prove myself every day to my teammates, like to be the best really I could be. And just to have confidence in myself, like knowing um, I had my spot on the team and I deserve to be there. And then towards the coaching staff as well. It's like, yes, we t- we're going to take you on, but um, it was not a given. Like every day I had to prove myself and I had to, uh, to play well. And it was just a lot of pressure. So how to, to deal and, and at the same time go to school and perform. So it was a lot of my plays. Uh, so I think it made me like a stronger goalie and how to cope better with uh, with all the stress. Mm. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Olympics and and your your three gold medals. But of course, you you were a three time Olympic champion, five time world champion. In your whole career, other than the Olympics and the world championships, what is your proudest achievement in your hockey career? Do you think? Um, it's not easy, but the more I look back, uh, when I was younger, I would just say the 2002 Olympics, because all my life playing all different sports, you dream of going to the Olympics in any sports, but you just want to get there because you know, it's the best sports competition in the world and the best athletes, um, that's where they go. So, uh, my dream was just to go to the Olympics and I was lucky that it was with the, the hockey team and winning, a. A gold medal. Uh, but the more I look back, I think um, deciding to go to McGill University was probably um, uh, a turning point in my hockey career. Like being able to transition playing men's hockey to women's hockey. And uh, that's when also uh, when I got my first chance with uh, Hockey Canada and making the Olympic team. Um, when I was playing with the boys, I tried many times to play for, for Team Quebec, so the provincial team here. Um, and I was cut five years in a row. So for me, I, I didn't think women's hockey would, would work out. So I kept playing with the boys. Um, so when McGill University wanted me to join their women's team, uh, for me, I just didn't want to go again through uh, being cut or not having enough fun. Uh, I didn't speak English either. I had to move away from my house. So there was a lot of negative associated with going to McGill. But for me, it was my last chance to play again for four or five years of hockey. So I took that chance. And just a, a few weeks after uh, starting school, I got a call from Team Canada. So I was like, OK, maybe if I would have quit hockey, none of that would have happened. But because I, I stick to my plan and uh, my passion, uh, that's when they called me. So I made uh, I made the national team before making the provincial team. So I, I don't know how that happened, but... Uh, I, I made it to the top no matter what. So I think going to McGill, getting my degree, uh, meeting uh, great people, learning English, and, and kept playing hockey. So I think that was a, one of the best things that could have happened to me. Were you good at juggling the studying and the training? Uh, well, it was not easy my first year uh, because I kept going home and then back to my apartment. Like I was doing a lot of driving plus practicing every day. So that was a little too much and uh, trying to learn English at the same time. So my second year, I decided to move full-time uh, downtown right by the school. So that was a lot easier just to go to school, come back to my place, study, and then go play hockey. And um, I had a lot of support, too, from my, my teammates to help me uh, get through it because I was away often with the national team as well. 
Um, so I think being a student athlete brings a lot um, to uh, brought a lot to me just uh, to discipline wise. Like you, you really need when you're in school, you're in school, and then where you're at the rink, uh, that's what you do. Mm. So I really had to manage my time really well, and uh, yeah, I'm really proud that I was able to graduate in uh, in five years. Fantastic. How long did it take you to pick up English fluently? Um, my first year it took a little while. Like I knew the um, the the hockey the <laughs> hockey words a little more. Uh, but then when I moved my second year, I moved with uh, three of my teammates, and they were only speaking English. So I think that was a uh, uh, really really helping me, and it was a great way to uh, to start speaking English. Just uh, a day to day, not just at the rink, but I think day to day life, and um, they really helped me. And uh, I'm so happy. And now my kids are only three and five, but they're they're already bilingual. So I made sure it would be easier for them. Oh, I'm very jealous of them. <laughs> very jealous of you as well. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. We'll be back with Kim in just a moment, but I want to tell you about 99designs. 99designs is a place where you can get any of your design needs fulfilled. 
Yes, talented freelancers all around the world get the chance to design whatever you need. It could be a website, it could be a business card, it could be a logo. Go and check them out at sportaccino.com forward slash 99designs and there you can check out their service and you know what, you can start the project and if you aren't happy with it, you can get your money back. It's as simple as that. And if you are happy with it and you do end up paying for the service, we will get a commission for it. That is something which will really help out our show and also give you a product that you'll be happy with. And you can do that by going through sportaccino.com forward slash 99. It's a product I personally use, so that is why I am recommending it to you, the listener of The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Let's continue the conversation with Kim St-Pierre. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the first Olympic gold. Uh, obviously, your your first Olympic um, experience. Just tell us a little bit about that that whole moment for you. Well, it was really uh, overwhelming. I think would be the word. Like it's. I've, I, I had seen it on TV so uh, often. Every every two years, I would watch the summer game, winter games, and so on. And I think one of the key moments for me was the opening ceremony. Like when you watch it on TV and they announce the, the Team Canada and you get to walk in, I was so excited with, to be there with my teammates. Like that was the first step into like a, achieving one of my dreams and um, to walk around and see the crowd and well, that was really, really exciting. And obviously, um, playing my first game at the Olympics was uh, something um, quite exciting. And uh, on top of that, playing the American team uh, in the final uh, in Salt Lake City. So the crowd was all cheering for them. And um, in preparation that year, we played eight games against the Americans to get ready, and we lost all eight games. So <laughs> showing up in the final against them, uh, in my mind, it, it was like if we had nothing to lose. Like if we lose nine times to them in one season, nobody will talk about it. But if we win, that, that will be something very special. And um, that's how we played. We had so much adversity against us. I think we had like 14 penalties called against our team so we really had to stick together and I think uh, going through a tough season really helped us to get through that that final game and we won three two so when you uh you count down the seconds from 10 to zero um it 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 seemed like an hour to me but I couldn't wait to to hear the final buzzer and and when obviously we get the uh, the gold medal around our neck I slept with it and I didn't want (laughs) to (laughs) <laughs> to anyone else I, I was holding on tight and uh it was a, a very very special moment uh, other than the fact that you had nothing to lose because you lost those eight games did you do anything strategically or technically different for that game well no it was uh i don't know i, I had the feeling i i had done everything i could and i think the mental side of the game when you get to that point is really, really important. And just when I woke up and walked uh, walk to the cafeteria that day, it was so beautiful outside. And it, it's like if it gave me peace, like it gave me uh, something in my mind was like, it's going to be okay. So I was thinking about that all day. And, and I saw my parents the night before too. And 
um, they gave me a lot of confidence and they just said to uh, to play at the best I could. And I was not the only one uh, going uh, to play that game, that my team was all behind me. And um, I think that year, uh, the whole team really uh, was a special one and everyone was pushing in the same direction, I felt that day. And uh, whatever that was going to happen, I think uh, people were ready to do whatever was needed. So that game, the, the, the penalty kill needed to be the best one that we've seen all year. And that's what happened. And even the coach at some point threw a stick on the ice, I think. But the whole bench stayed cool and stayed con- uh, focused uh, so that we were ready to take on another penalty. And I think the more we were getting out of these penalties, our confidence was just our confidence was just building and building, and uh, being able to score the first goal, I think that was really key for our team. And uh, I remember when the, the the crowd was cheering USA sold out the whole game. In my mind, I was just saying Canada, so the USA <laughs> would sound Canada in my head. So I was like, "Wow, they're cheering for us!" And um, yeah, that game went pretty uh, quick in my mind. And uh, yeah, we got the right. Uh, medal that we wanted uh, it's amazing how the weather can actually change your mood i remember when i was looking at different universities to move to i went to one and it was pouring with rain and i think that really affected my decision not to go there and then the university i i eventually went to when i went to their open day it was the most beautiful day ever and i was like oh i i could i'd, I'd be happy to go here <laughs> it's, it's amazing how it does that um you mentioned uh, doing the your your own uh, chant of Canada, Canada. Were there any other things you would do mentally to prepare for a game or even during a game? Well, I definitely do a, do a lot of uh, visualization before the game because I really believe athletes play at their best when they don't think too much. It's when we start thinking that we doubt ourselves that uh, we're not really in the present moment. And I think that was one of the keys to my career uh, being a goalie, you're on the ice for so long, uh, so you have to be able to uh, to turn the switch on and off whenever uh, needed to be. So I think uh, that was really key for me, like all the preparation before the game, so uh, either physically and mentally, just to make sure I was ready. And and then after that, it was to really be able to play at my best for the whole game, like not to have some... Uh, uh, moment where my focus w- was not there so I think I worked a lot on it just to be able to be in the present moment not thinking about what's going to happen or what happened like if you made a mistake or goal went in just to be able to get over that quickly I think for a goalie um, to always think about what's happening now and I think that was key uh, uh, during that game definitely uh, to be able to keep my focus. Is that something you taught yourself by reading books or finding things online or was that work with a sports psychologist or is that just something that you picked up from all your many, many years of playing? Yeah, I think it's a mix of uh, of everything. Like when I was at McGill, I, I met some great teachers, uh, sports psych, and we had a great one with the national team as well. So always around us and being there to talk and giving us advice and definitely, like you said, by... Uh, uh, reading books, watching documentaries on TV. Um, I really believe when we get to the elite level, the mental side is very important. So definitely, uh, I did a lot of reading and uh, tried different things. And 
Yeah, you have to keep it simple too. Like I said, I don't like to think too much during a hockey game. So I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done before. But once the game starts, usually you should be uh, almost on the uh, automatic pilot. Like it's just happening and you react because your body knows what to do. But definitely, like, um, I had some strategies to use through the games just to make sure to, uh, uh, that I could play at my best. Hmm. Is there one piece of advice that you've ever been given in your career which has kind of stuck with you throughout your career? Um, I don't remember exactly, but what I tell the kids now is really to focus on the fun part of hockey. I think now that the parents or coaches put too much uh, emphasizes on uh, just like thinking about the Olympics or the NHL for the boys. But if you don't have fun, like it's going to be hard to get there. And I really believe that if you, if you're meant to be uh, like a team Canada player or a Montreal Canadiens player, you'll, you'll find a way to get there. So as long as you enjoy it, um, I think that's a really big part. The same thing when I do hockey schools, like there's, yes, they learn a lot, but the fun part of it, you want the kids to, to love being at the rink and wanting to come back as well. So I think for me, that's a, that's a key point for, for kids playing hockey. Were there any moments in your career where it wasn't fun? Oh, definitely. <laughs> like so many training camps, <laughs> like they're not easy uh, being cut so many times or uh, yeah, when you go to tournaments and you, you hear your girls and you hear like so many bad words or uh, um, parents saying that to my parents that I stole their their son's uh, spot on the team or like I heard a lot but I I realized with the time that it was not against me more trying to get me out of my game or just people that were jealous um, so yeah it was uh, not always fun definitely and being cut so many times from Team Quebec uh, when you want to make your uh, your provincial team to move on to the national team and it's not happening like you always have to go back home and start over again. But um, I think the support I had from all the boys team I played with or mostly my parents and brothers, I think that was uh, very, very important for me. And it helped me uh, keep playing and keep hoping that maybe one day I would have a chance. Mm-hmm. Four years later, after your, your f- first success in the 2002 Winter Olympics, you're also part of the team which won in 2006. As defending champions, was there pressure on you, more pressure? Well, definitely. I think when you play for Canada, if you don't win a gold medal, it's uh, it's a bad thing. You, uh, you're supposed to win gold every time you, uh, you, you represent your country. Uh, so definitely we wanted to win. Um, but the U.S. team lost in the in the semifinals, so that made it a little a little easier on us. We we got to play uh, Sweden in the final. Uh, we knew they had just beaten the American team, but um, I think we beat them four one in in that final in Torino. So it's not the same rivalry um, as when we faced the Americans. So I think that uh, uh, those Olympics were a little uh, easier uh, on us. Mm. You you didn't play in the final, did you? against Sweden? Uh, no, no. The night before, the, the, coach, uh, the coach decided to go with the other goalie. So that was another another long story. <laughs> well, t- tell us about that story. How, how frustrated were you? Well, definitely. Like I was, uh, uh, well, I still don't really know why, but uh, the coach decided to go with the, the younger goalie. 
um, it was not easy. You prepare like, uh, especially when it's the Olympic season, all the girls move to, to Calgary and, and you get to train full time for eight months. Uh, so every day when you wake up as a goalie, for sure, uh, all the goalies want to play in this big final game. So um, I was really hoping I would be the one and then I did everything I could. But the night before, um, the coach uh, decided to go with the other goalies. So I had to um, process this whole thing. It was not easy. It's like if you're uh, devastated, but on the other side, you're, like, your team is going for a gold medal game. So I was able to... Uh, maybe within two hours, uh, forget about everything and, and wanting to be the best uh, teammate I could be that day. I was like, when you, you're at that level, you don't want to have any regrets. And for me, if I would have been in a bad mood or, or not wanting to sit on the bench, um, I would have had regretted it. And I think I was able to switch my attitude and being the best teammate that day and, and being happy on the bench and supporting my teammates, I think was the best decision uh, because when you look back, it's like, oh, it's not the end of the world. You're you're still part of the team, but uh, it's just being a competitive athlete. You uh, you definitely want to be on the ice and not sitting on the bench. So it was uh, not easy, but I I was able to get through it. Mm. With that in mind, does that make the the 2002 goal the the most special for you? Oh, definitely. When you you play, because after that we went on to. Uh, well, after the 2006 Olympics, then you get to go to World Championship in 2007, and I was back being the number one goalie. So I, I knew it was not done for me. So that's why I fought back, and I was able to to get the start uh, in 2007, and then uh, going through to 2010, uh, a new goalie, a younger one, uh, came up to uh, to play for Team Canada, and she was really good. So I knew it would be a hard battle for me. And uh, the coaches, the coaches decided to go with her in 2010, and I was the backup again. But uh, after going to 2006, for sure, when you hear the bad news the night before, uh, it's not easy. Everyone gets really emotional. But I had been through, and just to play in Canada, to be there, it was crazy. Like it was uh, very, very special for me as well. Uh, but for sure, I think 2002 will be my favorite, but 2010 is not too far behind. Um, being at the Olympics in your own country, I think that uh, not every athlete can experience that, and I was lucky to be on that team. Mm, yeah, it must have been really interesting because in that 2002 final, you were the one chanting Canada, albeit everyone else was chanting USA, and, and this time actually everyone was chanting for Canada because it was in Vancouver. It it must have been exactly. yeah, an amazing atmosphere. Oh yeah, and the whole like town was hockey. Like everyone had a, a Team Canada jersey on and. Um, it was an amazing city to, to host the Olympics and the men's team did really well uh, as well. So, yeah, it was uh, very special. And I, uh, when you know it's your last Olympics too, like you, you, your, your focus is uh, on enjoying every single day. And that's what I did. And I was happy to, to retire after that. Mm. What was a typical training day like for you throughout your career, Kim? Uh, well, during the, like I said, during the Olympic season, um, nobody goes to school or work. So it's a full-time hockey schedule, just like an NHL team, I would imagine. So, or even more. <laughs> team Canada is a little crazy on the training. So we would train uh, 
uh, twice or three times a day, so either on and off the ice or both. And uh, so that was um, a fun season for us, just being pro hockey player for a few months. Um, then when we would go back to to school, uh, well, it was uh, like, yeah, full-time student and then playing for, let's say, McGill. And then on top of that, we had uh, four or five uh, uh, training camps with the national team. So every month or so, you, you leave your school and then you go try uh, – for a training camp for a month and uh, a week, sorry, and then you come back to your school. So it was a lot of juggling between them, the two of them. But uh, for me, hockey was my life, so that's what I, I enjoy doing. And uh, uh, so mostly every day, like on ice and off ice training. And then once the season's over, it's about a two week uh, vacation that you get, and then uh, you gotta uh, get back at it right away. So it was, uh, but it was fun. Like that's what I enjoy doing, and. Uh, uh, now I don't train as much. I feel a little guilty, but I have to get back to a, to a, a schedule of being in the gym maybe more often. But definitely uh, when I was a hockey player, it was an everyday thing. Oh, fantastic. Well, you said your life revolved around hockey. When you're not playing hockey, when you're not being a mum, when you're not being a coach, and I'm guessing you don't have much time for much else, but what do you like to do to help relax? Yeah, it's not a... Especially now with the kids, uh, <laughs> it's very different. But uh, I like traveling, so whenever I could go away uh, in Europe to to do a vacation, that's what I uh, I enjoy doing. Now with the kids, while well, they were younger, so we would just mostly go and uh, rent a, a cottage and then uh, spend a few days just us or with the cousin. So that's what I enjoy doing now, like being mostly with my family or visiting uh, uh, people or friends I know. And then definitely traveling, uh, it's something I uh, I enjoy doing. Wonderful. What's uh, your favorite place you've visited? Uh, well, we often go to uh, the south coast of France. Uh, so we have a few friends there, and I just love uh, the life uh, out there. So that's uh, uh, some some somewhere we really uh, enjoy going. So it's all the south coast of France, we have a few... Uh, a few spots there that we uh, we like going, so we re- usually rent a house and then just go and enjoy uh, enjoy the water and the, the people in the beach there. Oh, beautiful. That's a lovely way to live. I was there for the uh, European Football Championships last summer. It was absolutely magnificent. Kim, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you for giving us a, an amazing insight into your incredible career. Just before you go, why don't you let us know where we can learn more about you and all of the projects that you're involved with, please? Oh, yes. Well, I'm working on updating my website. So just kimsaintcap.com. So um, it will be updated probably uh, through the summer. And then, uh, yeah, I'm uh, working on a few hockey camps and definitely keep uh, working on my uh, my box uh, job. And uh, I'm also working on a project to help uh, women's hockey around the world. So maybe traveling to a few countries and meeting uh, the key players and helping uh uh, women's hockey to uh, to be known a little more so I'm really working on that this summer so hopefully uh, you can uh, see my updates on my website perfect well I'll put a link to it on the description page of this podcast Kim St. Pierre it's been so good to talk to you thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for being the best in the world oh, thank you so much for taking the time to call me the best in the world podcast with Richard Parr Nice work there from Kim on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. 
Kim is, of course, our first player from the world of ice hockey. I've got another player lined up for you in just a few weeks. Stay close to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash best in the world with Richard Parr. And also follow us at Sportachino on Twitter. They will have all of the latest episodes and keep you in the loop when we've got another ice hockey star on the podcast. We have been on the ice before. We've had curlers before. Eve Muirhead has been on the program. We've had speed skaters, quite a few speed skaters. Chad Hedrick, for example, Jorrit Bergsma, Jan Blockhuizen. They've all been on the best in the world with Richard Parr. They're all on the archive, acast.com forward slash best or sportachino.com or on iTunes. Please subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. All right, I've got another Olympic champion, world champion, world record holder, or world number one for you next week to listen and learn from. But until then, have a wonderful week. Goodbye. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 